Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, Luke O'Neill here and welcome to my show, Me the Science Podcast, where every week I pick a topic and tell you all about it. Now this one is not so much showing me the science as show me the Loch Ness Monster. Now, of course, the production team here, they great sound effects. I hope they got a good sound effect for the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, but this is all about the science of the Loch Ness Monster. Now, you might be scratching your head and going, what's he talking about this week? Well, the reason why this is in the news is the biggest survey in 50 years happened where they really tried to find evidence for the Loch Ness Monster using really fancy new technology. So that struck me as really interesting that people are still looking for the Loch Ness Monster and using high tech to see if they can find it, you know. And we haven't heard yet, by the way, at least I haven't come across a report. I suspect if they'd found the Loch Ness Monster, we would have found out all about it. Now, this actually is a kind of a semi-serious type of science topic, to be honest, because as ever, if you're a regular listener, Maybe there are some people still with me after many podcasts. What's the evidence for things? How strong do you need the evidence to be to come to a conclusion that something is happening in the natural world? Shall we think it be anything? Does this drug work in cancer? Give me the evidence. Are vaccines safe? Give me the evidence. Show me the science is the title of my podcast. Of course it is. And this is not a bad one to look at. In other words, what would be the level of evidence you would need to confirm the existence of the Loch Ness Monster? Short of it coming up out of the water and biting your head off. That would be a bit extreme. But certainly, you know, if you saw this huge big dinosaur creature, that's evidence, isn't it? As long as you can prove it's not fake, that's a hoax. Now, now, at the very start, I might say, if there is one, right, it could be a remnant of a dinosaur. In particular, a plesiosaur was one of the types of dinosaurs they were wondering about. There could be a community of plesiosaurs somewhere in Loch Ness that keep breeding and they've been there for tens of millions of years. Now, there's no evidence for that yet, but that's the kind of thing that they're looking for. Evidence for a huge creature, which may be a remnant from an ancient creature that survived somehow in Loch Ness is the overall idea. That's a bit different to current creatures on the earth. Now, this is a legitimate part of science, certainly of, uh, of zoology. It's called cryptological. So the evidence is that it's a cryptological survey, rather. The type of animal or creature that, that is hypothesized to exist, but which there's no direct evidence, is called a cryptid. And the Loch Ness Monster is an example of a cryptid, kind of a covert animal. Uh, maybe, you know, what, what are the other good examples? I know Bigfoot, I suppose, is an example, or the Abominable Snowman. Or There's various cryptids that have been proposed, living creatures where there's no direct evidence, but there's some evidence for that we'd love to see and observe and find out what they are. Not proven, I guess, would be the idea. So in other words, it is a branch of zoology, you might call it, in the broadest sense. And I like this story as well because it's citizen science. They asked loads of volunteers to turn up as well, by the way, at Loch Ness on the shores of it, to take part and to help in the observation. And lo and behold, an awful lot of people turned up because it's a fascination for some people to see if the Loch Ness Monster would exist. And the lead scientist, Alan McKenna is his name. He's been an enthusiast for the Loch Ness Monster ever since he was a child and he led the whole effort, you see. And again, a good example of a scientist getting stuck in, I suppose, and trying to get evidence for something. And his mission, he said, by the way, was also to, in- to inspire people to take part in a scientific project to get evidence for the Loch Ness Monster. Now, let's go back, though, before I give you what, what he did and, and is there any evidence. In fact, this could be a cliffhanger ending. Maybe there is evidence. Wait, don't turn over just yet from this podcast. But the evidence initially was, now wait you hear this, it goes back a long way. There were loads of reports through history of some strange beastie uh, in Loch Ness, uh, some dinosaur-like creature or a massive 
animal of some kind, you know. And it's probably the most well-known cryptid, given all the people who've claimed to have seen the Loch Ness Monster. It's also a great tourist thing, by the way. If you go there, you, there's a hotel, and there's, there's kind of a... I was there about 20-odd years ago, I suppose, and there's a, a model, plaster cast model of the Loch Ness Monster. So, so tourism has benefited from this as well. But there have been so many sightings going back centuries, lots of legends about this. The earliest written account was an account of the life of St. Columba. Now, St. Columba was an Irish saint, a real historical figure who went in, he was from Derry originally, I think, and he went into Scotland and he went into England and he was the one to bring Christianity to the English. And he went to Scotland uh, and, and the history of his life, written after his life, written in the 7th century, so it's not contemporaneous, describes how he ends up at Loch Ness, he comes across some local Picts, that was the tribe that were living there, the Picts, and they were burying a man and he asked them why and they said this man had been killed by a monster that was in Loch Ness, a water beast they called it. What did Columba do? He decides to look for evidence, maybe Columba was an early scientist. He sends one of his followers into Loch Ness, can you believe it? To see if that follower could be attacked by the Loch Ness Monster. And lo and behold, a beast appears, begins to move towards Columbus' follower. Columbus intervenes, he makes a sign of the cross, and the beast runs away. And this was used by Columba partly, I suspect, to convert the Picts to Christianity. Now what gets me is, why didn't he go in himself? He gets one of his followers to do it, first of all. But maybe he had to be there to protect the follower. But anyway, this is a written account. Now, is it true? Well, it's written in the annals, you know. It has been criticised because there's loads of stories of saints banishing monsters. So perhaps it may not be true. But still, there is our first written account, a long time ago, the 7th century, of a monster in Loch Ness. Now, the next then, there's loads of accounts of it over the next hundreds of years. People talking about all kinds of creatures. In 1934, we get the surgeon's photo, it's called. That gets published in newspapers. And it does look like some kind of dinosaur. So a photograph is taken of an alleged monster in Loch Ness. And in fact, in 1933, just before this, there had been newspaper sightings anyway of a serpent or a dragon. That's what inspired the surgeon. I had to go along and take the photograph, I suppose. So 33, 34, there's evidence. And the photograph certainly got people's attention because if you go online, you'll see it. And there's the photographic evidence of the Loch Ness monster. And then in 1954, sonar was used. And that, that predates the study I'm going to tell you about. They begin to use technology now to see if they can detect something. And lo and behold, a boat called the Rival 3 using sonar detects a large object under the water following the boat along. And it was a vast object, seemed to be alive. And that was, they said, this is evidence. That must be the Loch Ness monster tracking the boat, you know? And again, part of the evidence was this sonar. And you can see the sonar trace if you wish. So two lines of evidence, a photograph of a creature that looks a bit like a monster, like a dinosaur type creature. And then secondly, sonar evidence. Now, the next thing, 2018, we've got to get to in my history of the science of the Loch Ness monster. And scientists take samples of water from Loch Ness and they use PCR. Now you all know what PCR is chain reaction it was used to detect the COVID virus. Of course, it's a great way to amplify DNA. And it can amplify up tiny, tiny amounts of DNA. And they were basically sampling the DNA in the water. And they were looking for evidence of DNA that might suggest a massive reptile. Now we know the kinds of DNA reptiles have. 
we be linked to a dinosaur. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering actually that they take some dino, like but like that movie Jurassic Park or whatever, that they take some dinosaur DNA and then compare that to the DNA they were detecting. They looked for evidence basically of of strange DNA, reptilian DNA maybe, or some kind of unusual DNA. And guess what? They couldn't find it. They also tried to find evidence of large sharks because that can be seen in DNA as well, or some other kind of aquatic creature comparing to others where they detect it. And they didn't find anything sadly, but they did find eel DNA. Loads and loads of eels, right, are in Loch Ness. And they were wondering, was it a giant massive eel? And lo and behold, they found evidence of DNA from eels. The lead scientist admitted it could be evidence of tiny eels, couldn't it? Not, not a giant eel, but still, there was evidence of eel DNA, which was somewhat useful. Now, fast forward, are you ready to today? Now again, it's all about using technology. So the DNA technology was used, say, in the DNA analysis. This study is using drones, that's the latest technology, to fly over Loch Ness and take pictures, I suppose, and use imaging methodologies. Thermal imaging, because they say patches of heat, and again that was used, these very elaborate thermal imagers. Underwater hydrophonics, that's putting a, micro, a very elaborate microphone into Loch Ness and seeing if you can hear some funny noises whatever the dinosaur might sound like, and infrared imaging, various imaging technologies were deployed by this, this project to see if they could find evidence, right? And of course, uh, we're waiting to hear all these different techniques. Will they come up with something from Loch Ness? And the answer is, we don't know. I haven't seen the report yet. They must be still analyzing the data. Now, this is another good example of big data, I think, because the amount of data coming off these sensors and these different approaches is vast. And now they're trawling through that data, probably using artificial intelligence. So you never know, they might get evidence from these different approaches of a, a big creature basically living in Loch Ness that's a bit unusual. So if you look at it this way, the evidence then we have is the reports from St. Columba and other sightings, the photograph, the sonar, right? Now, of course, this has been interpreted in different ways. And maybe you would say that's sufficient evidence. If I was to say to you, the sonar evidence of something huge creature beneath the water. If I say to you, there's evidence, you know, of, of perhaps thermal imaging showing up something unusual. There's the photographic evidence. You might say, oh, that's probably enough. It's not enough. Remember, science is always uneasy. You want really compelling evidence. And of course, if you don't agree that that's evidence, you've got to say what that's evidence for. In other words, you say, well, that was evidence for something else. And there's been loads of explanations for these sightings. One is eels, actually, already. The misidentification of big eels, very large eels that are moving and undulating through the water. That could be the Loch Ness Monster. Guess what the surgeon's photo was in 1934? It might have been an elephant its trunk up out of the water and its head, right? There was a travelling circus around apparently at that time and maybe an elephant fell in the lake. And they, all he took a photograph of was a part of an elephant. That was a possible explanation for that photograph. The third is wakes that boats leave. When a boat goes through the water, it generates waves and they can begin to look a bit like a serpent type creature, I suppose. Another one is trees, large tree trunks moving in the water was the next one. And one that I quite like is a real scientific one. Loch Ness is a very deep lake and it's a vast lake. And of course, that's why they think the monster might have been hiding somewhere in the lake because it's so big. Waves can generate patterns in that lake. Strange, specific types of waves in deep lakes can come and go. And that might look a bit like a monster, I guess. So therefore, it's not that surprising then that people might have reported seeing unusual things in Loch Ness for those reasons. And then sadly, a lot of the explanations are hoaxes and there have been hoaxes. Now, two of my favorite ones was 
hippopotamus footprints. So there was all these footprints beside the lake, right? They looked like reptilian footprints. Someone had got the foot of a hippopotamus, must have been a stuffed animal, and left the footprints there. And it wasn't a monster at all. It was just footprints from a hippopotamus's foot. Uh, a second one was people have taken giant not giant, but big seals, for example, and put scales on them and mocked up a monster that got washed up on the shore, you know. So there have been fabricated monsters, you might say, as a second explanation for some of these things as well. But talk about an active area. I couldn't get over when I was doing my research uh, how much has been studied with regard to the Loch Ness Monster. But as I say, from a scientific point of view, you get evidence for something. The evidence looks somewhat interesting. You need really compelling evidence, often independent lines of evidence. And I've often spoken about this, haven't I? So the evidence for climate change is lots of different separate lines of evidence. And then the conclusion has to be climate change is being driven by humans, you know? And this is the same. You'll need multiple lines of evidence unless you see the damn thing coming up out of the water towards you. That's a different matter, you know? Um, that'd be pretty compelling, wouldn't it? But, but uh, you know, without that, you need lots of different lines of evidence to support the notion that the Loch Ness monster actually exists. Does it exist? Does it not? Science will prevail and eventually science will give us enough evidence or not of the existence of the Loch Ness monster and I hope wouldn't it be tremendous if it turns out that this big study does reveal really compelling evidence that there is some kind of family of dinosaurs living in Loch Ness wouldn't that be exciting let's hope we leave them in peace but you never know science might prove at long last the existence of the Loch Ness Monster so there you have it the science of the Loch Ness Monster and as ever thanks very much for listening in and my podcast is available every Thursday for download wherever you get your podcasts and it's a news talk production